0: had nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch. Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you continuing what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. I hope you're all well. How are you cheerful? On the ball? Ready to listen? Good. Well, a few things I want to note uh, before uh, continuing with the sermon. Firstly, uh, you will have heard several weeks ago that uh, Eleanor Aldred is going to step down from being the pastoral care coordinator. And so we need, I'm praying, and I hope you'll join me in praying that somebody will feel called to this very important role. That God will call the right person for for this role forward. Um, We're also, as a PCC, we've told you about this in our vision priorities, we're thinking of how we can evolve as a church and change the nature of church and leadership so that we all fulfil our ministries. And this is an important tester and part of this. So if, for example, nobody responds to this role to be a coordinator, then... This new way of doing church, it won't land on my desk, it lands on yours. So we need to pray about it. And we need to pray that the right person, as I say, will come forward and do this role. Um, So important, so we can support the pastoral care of our church. Now tonight, Helen mentioned the informal one at 7 o'clock, the Psalm of the Crook. What she failed to mention is that she's preaching tonight. So please come along and support her. And here, what she has to say, Psalm 23, fantastic psalm. And also to say that later this week, tickets will be available for the gathering at Christmas. Tickets, there we are, very nice tickets. They'll be available from the office. Please get them, they're £10 a ticket. Think of who uh, uh, you're going to invite and who you can ask along. And even you might think of buying them their ticket. How wonderful would that be if you can manage it? So um, see about that. Tickets available later in the week. So then, moving on. Being Godly 24-7. Got a story to begin with. After a ticket mix-up, a man and a woman who'd never met before, they found themselves in the same sleeping carriage of a train. After the initial embarrassment, they both go to sleep. The woman on the top bunk and the man on the lower. In the middle of the night, the woman leans over, wakes the man and says, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I'm awfully cold. I was wondering if you could possibly go and get me another blanket. The man leans out and with a glint in his eye says, I've got a better idea. Just for tonight, why don't we pretend we're married? The woman thinks for a moment. Why not? She giggles. Great, replies the man. Get your own blanket. (laughs) Well, pretending... None of us would say that, would we? The issue of pretending is right at the heart of today's theme. Being godly. But being godly, it's not an easy sermon to preach. Or to hear, it's incredibly challenging and it asks a lot of us. But it's a topic we certainly need to explore together as a church community. I'm more and more convinced about this than ever I have been being godly, being people who reflect the character of God, who let the heart of God shape the way that we live it will play a huge part in us becoming an authentic church community where we're real with God and real with one another. And over the last few months, especially since we had the honesty amnesty earlier in the summer, can you remember that, those who are here? More and more members of Christ Church, Baston Hill, have been truly honest with themselves and with God and with other people about what's going on in their lives and how they want to be people of God godly if you like and that includes me so let's pray that God continues to be at work in us today and in the months ahead the world is full of illusionists I am one and you're one we have the power to deceive. And we all have it. And sometimes the power to, be, to deceive or be deceived can be seen in artwork. And I want to show you this famous, quite old now, piece of artwork. So can you see a young lady or can you see an elderly lady? Hands up if you can see a young lady. Hands down. Hands up if you can see an elderly lady. Okay, interestingly. Hands up if you can see both. Fantastic. Well, you can see the young lady with just the, the points of her nose to the left and an eyelash and then her chin just over that fur and then she's got a necklace. But if the face of the young lady becomes the nose of the elderly lady, which you see more close up, and then the necklace is the mouth. So can you see it more easily now? Yeah? Okay. Well, anyway, I'll leave it up a minute or two. <laughs> but we all have the power to deceive. To make out that we're something we're not. Whether that's super holy, a totally dependent and patient dad, or mum, or friend. Someone who never gets stressed out about work. Someone without even a hint of an addiction. And more than this, we can convince people We can do things that really we can't, like cope, or do everything we've got on our desk. We're like the two dimensions of this piece of artwork. We have the side we like people to see, and the side that we don't like people to see. We are expert illusionists. In Paul's second letter, he wrote to his good friend Timothy. Paul warns Timothy about the power of deception. Pretending to be something we're not as Christian people. And Paul gives Timothy a heads up about giving the appearance that we follow Jesus, but then living quite a different life. And we all do it. Whether we like to admit it or not. I do it, and you do it. Now some time ago there was a piece of artwork, it was a painting, depicting a monk in prayer, a little bit like this. Kneeling in prayer, hands clasped. And from a distance, that's what you could see. But as you approached the painting, you saw something entirely different. What was actually happening was the monk was squeezing a lemon into a bowl. We aren't always what we appear to be. And that artwork was showing something very clever. The outward appearance was a monk in prayer, pious, committed, prayerful. But the squeezing of the lemon hinted at something a lot more bitter, sour. Something different altogether. We aren't always what we appear to be. We try to make out we are something we're not. And I'm sure if we're all honest, often as members of a church community, we find ourselves trying to convince others that we're good Christian people and we put on a good show. I think it's easier to be a Christian, in inverted commas, than it is to be godly. We can do things that fit in with Christian behaviour and yet we're not really reflecting what God is like in the way that we live. We can sing the worship songs like this morning. We can say the prayers. We can raise our hands in worship. We can talk the lingo, give our money even, in the giving plate or by standing order. And yet, we lack godliness. We fall short on being godly. And we fail to allow the heart of God to shape the way that we live. And we blend in with churchy or Christian culture. Instead of standing out for God. This is exactly the sort of thing that Paul is telling Timothy about. When he mentions in verse 5. People who have a form of godliness. But who deny its power. He says it there. You can see it. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. People who show all the outward signs of being a Christian. And yet hold off. It's life changing heart transforming power people who go through the motions who talk the talk and yet resist the all encompassing effects and power and grace of God's incredible love and more than this don't have the courage or the spirit of adventure to fully surrender to Jesus and live a life fully 100% dedicated to him do you have the courage the spirit of adventure, to fully surrender to Jesus and live a life fully dedicated to him? You know, if you do, you'll never regret it. An adventure will stretch out ahead of you that you never dreamt of before. Many years ago, Lord Melbourne once said, things have come to a pretty pass when religion is allowed to invade the sphere of private life. But that's the whole point of Christianity, isn't it? And Paul makes this clear to Timothy and to us too. It's all or nothing. It's as easy and as difficult as that. And time after time after time, Jesus stressed that in his time here on earth. And in the Gospels you can read about it. Jesus talks about taking up your cross and following him. He talks about giving up everything and following him. It's all or it's nothing. You can't live the Christian life half-heartedly. And those who do, Paul describes in not very flattering terms. He says that they put on a good show at being a Christian, and yet they're abusing people. They're controlling situations. You can read about that in verse 6. They're the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control. People like this love to learn and yet come out in a rash at the thought of accepting or owning the truth. But Paul isn't just describing this for Timothy and for us to say watch out for people like this. He's saying beware that you're not people like this. I won't ask you, but if you're anything like me, when you start to read that chapter... And it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Your natural inclination is to think of other people, other situations who show those, those traits, isn't it? It's not to see ourselves in those descriptions. And yet, this is ex- exactly what Paul is warning against. Be careful not to live the Christian life half heartedly, to follow Jesus sometimes a bit every now and then. Be careful not to be people who put on a good Christian show in church either to satisfy what you think other people would like you to be or to make yourself feel better. You know the sort of thing I mean. Joining in merrily at church when only minutes earlier we said something really awful to our husband or wife, son or daughter. Putting our money in the collection plate and then being really quite mean with our colleagues at work. Being perfectly willing to pray prayers that talk about God helping us to live lives that are whiter than snow and then failing to allow God to be at work in our addictions. Our addictions with shopping, pornography, gossip, food, drink, gambling. Pretending we are Christian people who have it all sorted by focusing on big picture Christian stuff. Hiding behind it even. Revival. The nation's spiritual health, growing God's kingdom in Basin Hill and beyond, whilst at the same time failing to invite God to be at work for good in our family problems, our relationship difficulties, the way that we go about our work, the way we use our money, the way that we use our leisure time, the way that we go and spend our time with our friends. You know, if we're truly honest and we looked at that list that Paul sets before us at the beginning of chapter 3 this and so much more would be evident in our lives as a church community and the parts of our lives that we don't want other people to know about and the question is what are we going to do about it are we going to turn a blind eye are we going to pretend it doesn't exist Or are we going to help one another? Are we going to try and create that environment of grace and love where people can say whatever they want to say, whatever they need to say, and know that we'll be there for them and we'll be a friend with them. In short, Paul says, be people of integrity. Be the people you say you are. People who depend on the life-changing power of God in every corner of our lives, even the darkest corners that we don't want other people to know about. Be honest with yourself, be honest with other people and be honest with God. Be a 100% Christian, sold out and fully paid up for God. Just think of the difference we'll make for God as godly people. People who not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. People who demonstrate God's character to other people people who shine with the love of God just think of the difference we'll make to other people's lives think of the godly people, the people who've influenced your life you probably wouldn't be here, sat here now, if they hadn't influenced your life in some way, in some positive way just think about them now quietly And thank God for them. Say to God, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for such and such a person. Now imagine what difference you can make for other people if you impact their lives in similar ways. Imagine who might be sitting here next to you if you live a life that truly reflects the love of God. If I live a life that truly reflects the love of God. Who wants to be a genuine Christian and not just a part time one? I do. And I hope you do. But we need help. I certainly need help. Unfortunately, Paul gives it. He gives three top tips, coaching tips if you like and we're going to go through those briefly now. Firstly then, Paul says to Timothy and to us to know the lifestyle to avoid. Know the lifestyle to avoid. Now in the opening verses, we've touched on them a couple of times already, Paul tells Timothy and us that terrible things will happen at times. People won't be particularly nice. Life won't always be easy. And so making the right lifestyle choices, choosing the right way to live, it's going to be tough. Let's not make any pretense about it. It, It's really going to be a difficult thing to do. But stay clear of all this and it's going to be a good start. Remember the lifestyle choices to avoid. What are the lifestyle choices we are struggling not to get tangled up in at the moment? Is it a piece of gossip? Somebody you're just struggling not to hate? A colleague you just can't get on with at work? Is it an aspect of your marriage that's really causing a lot of rows? What is it at the moment? Paul is encouraging us to give harmful lifestyle choices... A wide berth. Don't touch them with a barge pole, he says. It's the first step to building an authentic Christian lifestyle. Find something else to replace them. Something positive. Something that will honour God. Something that will show God and what he's like to other people. Know the lifestyle choices to avoid. Well, if that was the first tip, then the second one is this. Remember the old days. Times in the past that have shaped our faith in God. Because it's these memories that will fuel our faith well into the future. In verses 10 and 11, you'll see that Paul reminds Timothy of the old days in Asia Minor, of wonderful scenes he'd witnessed there. The preaching, the crowds, the worship, the friendship, and also the not so good stuff. The fierce opposition, the abuse, the beatings, even the dreadful stoning. And Paul brings back all these memories, not for Timothy to think of him as some kind of hero, but so that Timothy can see afresh that in all of this, he found Jesus to be real and true. Remember, Timothy, in all of this, you found Jesus to be real and true. In the good, the bad, and the ugly. Jesus was with you in it all. And so Paul encourages us to think back to the things we've learned from others, the experience we've shared with other people, the ways that we've served God. And in looking back, we can see that all that Jesus was true and real. In your own life, in the good, the bad and the ugly, look back and see how Jesus was with you in it all, because it's these memories, the old days with Jesus and other Christians, that will encourage us into the future. So, if that was a second top tip, then the third and final one is this: carry on, Timothy. It's not a film starring Sid James. So we will be very pleased to hear, but continue in what you've learned. Not just from other people, but from God in His Word. And this is Paul's final and very crucial part of his charge to Timothy. Carry on building a lifestyle on the foundations of God's words in Scripture. And Paul gives him three clear reasons why this should be the case. Firstly, then, Scripture is holy, it is sacred literature. It contains something of God's character and His nature. And so if we want to live lives of purpose and fulfillment, if we want to be shaped by God and become more and more like Him in what we do and say, then what better place to start? Secondly, Scripture makes us wise about how we can have a relationship with God. Paul is telling each of us But if we want to grow closer to God, then delving into the Bible will help. It contains the stories, the knowledge, the people, the events that will shape and fuel our journey, our adventure with God. Most importantly, it reveals the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And thirdly, Scripture is God-breathed, Paul tells Timothy. The breath of God is in each word, just as our breath is in the words we speak. And because of this, in the Bible, we have the heart of God in the words of God. In the Bible, God's heart speaks to us. And so Paul is telling us that if our lifestyle is not fueled by the heart of God in the words of God, if our lives are not built on the foundations of God's words, then, what we say and do will lack the ability to make a positive difference to other people's lives. We will not be properly equipped for all the good stuff that God wants us to do for Him. Notice at the end of the chapter, the very last verse, verse 17, Paul says to build a lifestyle on God's word so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped. For every good work, you'll be equipped. You'll be enabled and strengthened to do all the things that God wants you to do for Him. So, what is it that you and I can do to build the Bible better into our lives? Do we need to set aside some time to read it from cover to cover? Perhaps in a year? Would it help to get? Get it on DVD or CD and listen to it in the car. Or perhaps there's some Bible notes that would help you to understand and engage with the Bible that bit better. And you can get those from the Christian bookshop in town. I'll leave you to think about how you can do it. So to finish. Do you want to be an illusionist? Or do you want to be godly? shining God's character in the world. Do you want to be a genuine Christian and not just a part-time one? Then let's be careful not to be people who put on a good Christian appearance in church and then ignore God's life-changing power in the rest of life. Let's know the lifestyle to avoid. Let's remember the times in the past that have shaped our faith in God and the way that we live for Him. And let's continue in what we've learned from others, but most especially from God's Word. If you want to stop the pretense and have a genuine Christian lifestyle, not just built on churchy behaviour, but shaped by God, then we can ask for His help. You know, God doesn't want us to feel bad or guilty or useless. He simply wants us to face up to the things we need to and ask him to change us ask for his help and wonderfully he gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit in our lives that inner strength that makes all the difference in the world that inner strength that gives us the courage and the spirit of adventure to press on in the journey that God sets before us I encourage you to respond to God and to be honest with Him and to ask Him to help you and to give you the strength you need to live for Him every moment of every day. Let's pray. Father, we want to be individuals. We want to be a community that reflects you in everything that we do and everything that we say we want to show you to the world we want to shine your heart in the lives of other people but we need your help and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit now in this worship And in the days and weeks ahead, you'll help us. Help us not to be people who put on a good Christian appearance. Who try to deceive other people with who we are and what we're like. That you'll help us to know the lifestyle to avoid You'll remind us of the times in the past when you have been real and true for us. And that you'll help us to build a lifestyle on your word. Help us, Lord. And as we worship now, help us to face up to what we're truly like. And ask you to be at work for good. In every aspect of our lives. Even the darkest corners of our lives. Help us to be honest with you now. Amen.